Tevin, are you ready? I was born ready, he says. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Glass Half Sports. Uh, in the midst of uh, one of our first Decembers to remember here at the company, excited to be with you guys as always. Um, hey, always as always joined by Mike, who, by the way, celebrated his first dadiversary yep. recently. Congratulations. Thanks, man. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah, we had a, a little small little family birthday party for Tyler last night. Uh, little cupcakes. I'll be at the one on Sunday. Yep. I don't know why you would ever schedule your daughter's birthday party on football Sunday. I did not schedule it. However, it is her first birthday party, so I don't think that she'll recall dad sitting in the corner watching games on his phone. So I think we'll be all right. You better bring a laptop because there's going to be four sets of eyes and I'm not sharing that small of a screen with you. There's probably going to be more than four sets. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, this week's going to be a good show. Um, the only thing I don't feel confident about is my knowledge of the NFL. Cause I feel like the more and more we get into the season, the less and less we know about who's good, who's not, who's bad, who's hurt, who's injured, who's breaking the rules and who's not. So Mike, tell the folks what we got today. Uh, yeah. Um, we have a pretty interesting show. Uh, we look forward to hopefully having Arif Hassan join us and yes, sir. friend Vikings. of the show. Uh, we will do our Viking then and now segment. Hopefully that is with Arif if it times up correctly. Whew. Um, we're going to do a takeaways from week 14 around the league. We're going to spotlight our week 15 kind of key matchups. Some important you know, ones coming up. Week 15 isn't the same as it used to be because we there is now a week 18. Yeah. So there's it's a little bit different, but we'll uh, we'll highlight some different matchups throughout the NFL at that point in time. Mm-hmm. We will do our Wild Wolf Watch. I'm um, checking with our winter sports teams <laughs> in Minnesota here. And then we have a new segment today that we're going to unravel. Uh, it's called Hot Corner. So I don't want to spoil that for our listeners, but we will be doing a segment called Hot Corner, and then we're going to hopefully get to our last half topic of the day. We'll see. We're running a tad bit behind today because, you know, it was 54 degrees and thunderstorming in Minnesota yesterday. Late last night. Late last night. And then this morning, it decided to be 24 and snowy. So as always, everybody just has forgotten how to drive. Yeah. So we're a tad bit crunched for time, but we'll do our best to get to everything that is. At the end of the day, we're human beings. That's true. We, we Just like you guys. Bit. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I'm the same species as like Bobby Lashley or Brock Lesnar or Dalvin Cook or Adrian Peterson, but we're all human, right? Supposedly. Yeah. You just had a Bobby Lashley reference <laughs> in your tongue. Is Are you a big WWE fan? Uh, actually, I'm slowly transitioning over to AEW. Oh, okay. Because I was say we one of our clients got us tickets to the WWE show here that was just whatever on Monday. Oh, yeah. And I was, I'm not a wrestling fan, but I was like, whatever, it's free tickets to go sit in a suite and watch right. a quote unquote sporting event. Uh, not impressed. <laughs> not, not impressed. Huh? Raw and Raw specifically under the WWE banner has been hot garbage for the last like year. It's bad. The only thing that's good is Roman Reigns in WWE right now. I'm a little surprised that like 
even seeing it live though you weren't impressed Tev, because i've heard that seeing it live it's it's a pretty good show at least i've been to live shows yeah and they're usually pretty good yeah like i'll say this when it was like good wrestling matches it was okay this is kind of interesting but when it was bad it was unwatchable i ended up leaving relatively early i had gabe gabe uh, actually offered me a spare ticket to that show to come and hang with you guys but then forgot to message me when he got to the gate so i didn't get to go classic gabe <laughs> diarrhea last week forgets his phone next week you know oh, geez. is is it is what it is mike what platforms can they uh find us on where they should be smashing that like button hitting that share and then uh leaving a follow as well yeah, uh, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and Spotify. Nice. And where can we be found post-show? Uh, post-show, if you can't catch us live, you can catch us on MCN Channel 6, Fridays at 7, Saturdays at 1 or 3, 2. There we go. In between, Not split 1 the or 3. Split the difference. Um, but yeah, so that way you can catch us on MCN 6 if you have the app or uh, have a Roku stick. You'll be able to watch us nationwide. Check that out. Crossing borders. Very cool. And uh, as always, you should uh, definitely be sharing this with your friends. Me and Mike have some big things to come um, in the year 2022. Wow. I just heard your voice. Yeah. And I wasn't even talking. Ventriloquism. I'm not a, I'm not a puppet with a hand up my ass. I swear to God. All right. So let's jump right into the uh, Vikings then and now segment. Hopefully at some point here, we will be joined by the athletics Arif Hassan. But, uh, Mike, what were your thoughts about the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers game? The game that was to remember and then almost one to forget. Tale of two halves. <laughs> oh, yep. shit. Um, I was extremely impressed early. But extremely disappointed late. Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> uh, the thing that the Vikings have not been able to do season long is finish. They haven't been able to finish the first half. They haven't been able to finish the second half. Uh, finish games in general. Yeah. Um, we've had trouble finishing drives at times, settling for field goals. It's, it, it was very apparent that we weren't able to finish this game. Yeah. You know, when you're up 29 to zero and you have a running back like Dalvin cook, that, that game needs to be over going into the second half right. with that score. Um, Greg Joseph continued his woes as we can see on the highlight there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's extremely disappointing that we let a team like the Steelers, who are a decent team, Nicholas, yes, get back into that ballgame. Well, I mean, I think they have decent coaching, and they have semi-decent pieces, but Chase Claypool is about as dumb as they come. I would agree with that. Now, his stupidity... So do you already hate the next Steelers receiver drafted? Oh, yeah. A.B. Juju Schuster. I hate all. Pool. I was I was gonna do a TikTok earlier in the week, and this goes all the way back to when Ben Roethlisberger got there in two thousand and four. It was Heinz Ward and Plexico Burris. Now I have said this time and time and time and time again, and I feel like I'm the only one that has this opinion. Ben Roethlisberger has made more Pro Bowl receivers than Peyton and Tom Brady combined. And guess what? When they leave Pittsburgh, they're not worth a damn. Plexico Burris had two good years in New York. And then well, fell I mean, off the face. He was of the actually earth. really good in New York. He and then shot, shot himself in the leg. Yeah, but that's not okay. The next one was him uh, not performing. That's an injury. Basically. The next one was Antonio Holmes, who was fantastic, and then went to play for Rex Ryan in the Jets and was not all that great. 
Yeah, is that so much on San Antonio or on Rex? How about Mike Wallace? He was never that good. Oh, but he was great in Pittsburgh. All he was was a deep threat for him. But he was great in Pittsburgh. He was not that great. And then after him, it was like guys like Martavius Bryant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're Pittsburgh was if I was a receiver and I had a choice to be drafted anywhere, it would be wherever Ben is playing quarterback. So out of all other quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, because my stats are looking my stats are gonna look great with him throwing the ball. And you, I can can you believe this? I can earn a bag and then just retire. And we do have a reef on the line. Oh, I'm oh. glad he heard that too. Yeah, I'm, just I'm like extremely glad. I've heard in my entire life. <laughs> I can hear him chuckling at me in the background. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Arif Hassan has joined us. How you doing, man? I see you out there at the TCO Performance Center. Yeah, hey, man. What's going on? Not much. Not much. Uh, we were just kind of digging into this Pittsburgh Steelers uh, win slash almost loss, and just kind of wanted to get your opinion on on what the feelings coming away from that game were, you know, really the tale of two halves and being able to dominate and feeling like we just kind of fell apart down the stretch. Yeah, I think more than anything else, it's uh, pretty frustrating, right? Like, I think getting ahead like that obviously is fantastic. It feels good to be able to put up that many points. It feels good to, you know, shut them out for an entire half. I think that, that that's exactly the kind of performance that you'd expect of a good team. Uh, and though they came away with a win, you know, it's still like a, a very frustrating win. Uh, and so I think that if you have questions about, you know, how the team uh, can function, what the team has learned about, you know, its, its games and, and whether or not it's got the ability to kind of maintain itself over the course of the full game, those questions weren't answered satisfactorily. So um, if you're like, if you want the Vikings to make the playoffs and succeed in the playoffs, um, you know, that helped them in the first half of the equation, right? Being able to make the playoffs, that, that kind of win is important. But, uh, you know, being the kind of team that can win in the playoffs, like, I don't know that um, the Vikings should that they could do that. Like, yeah, they might be able to knock off a good team, right? Because they've been in close games. They've they've played, you know, they've beaten uh, some good teams like the Packers. But you know, I don't think that they've demonstrated that they, they would be able to do that three times in a row, right? Like, any advantage that they generate, uh you could just as easily disappear. So that's kind of, I think, the feeling that you get from that game. I mean, because I, it, what was the stat? 1,616 games in the regular season have uh, future teams with a 29-point or more lead. Only one of them uh, has, uh, has, a, has a team been able to uh, potentially even it up uh, on the final play, and that was Pittsburgh. So go figure it would be the Vikings. You know, it just – Yeah, right. No, absolutely, yeah. And it yeah. reinforces, you know, on ESPN when they're talking about Mike Vick or Tom Brady or all of these other, like, great players over time, the highlights get the show, that get shorter against the Vikings, I feel like, 90% of the time. Yeah, so. no, it, 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 that's, that's what it always feels like, is that when, when these absurd stats happen, and, I mean, the Lions' first win of the season, or like, like you know, <laughs> I mean, the 0-16 Lions, they almost beat the Vikings, right? <laughs> Just, it feels like they're always on the verge of, of allowing another team to set a record. Yeah, that is that is true. So um, I know we had some follow up questions for you um, kind of coming off of this. And, and the first of mine is and I know there has been a lot of speculation about what Spielman and Zimmer's future is going to look like, you know, past 2021 here. Um, but coming off that kind of staying alive in the playoff race, what is the feeling, you know, in the locker room around the organization with, you know, I, he's got years left on his contract or it, and some coaches heads have already started to roll. Have you heard anything? What's What's the feeling on him being a coach for the Minnesota Vikings moving forward? And what would it take in order for him to save his job at this point? 
Yeah, I think that if he makes the playoffs, um, he's got a good chance of saving this job. I, I wouldn't say that it's like a lock that he uh, saves his job if he makes the playoffs. You remember the rumors from 2019 where, um, you know, the Vikings would have considered firing him in favor of uh, Stefanski if they hadn't won that Saints game, right? Um, now, the, the Wilfs uh, ended up releasing a statement before that game saying that that wasn't the case, but multiple outlets had reported that that was the case, and, and many more outlets had reported that the Dallas Cowboys were thinking about landing Zimmer, which would imply that you know he's on the market, right? So um, I, I would think that uh, at the bare minimum, I think you have to make the playoffs in order to, to save your job if you're Mike Zimmer. Uh, and then beyond that, I don't know if there's an additional kind of on top, like you have to win a playoff game or advance in the playoffs or something um, that would that would help him out, but but certainly that's a minimum. And I think if he misses the playoffs, that's probably it for him. Uh, and I would imagine that that would also be it um, for, for Spielman. So I think that that's kind of the make or break point, which is unfortunate because unless the Vikings win out, uh, which technically they could win out and not make the playoffs. I just wrote a piece about how you could thread that needle, which would be very frustrating. But unless the Vikings win out, you know, it's not really in their control, right? And technically it's not in their control if they do win out. Um, and so the Mike Zimmer's job would be kind of dependent on, you know, whether or not the Eagles or, or Washington make a run, which is kind of dumb, but that's just how the NFL works. I mean, the same thing happened. Um, I remember Lovey Smith, you know, with the Chicago Bears. They won 10 games. They would have made the playoffs, but they lost like a fourth tiebreaker or something like that. Didn't make the playoffs. They fired Lovey Smith. So, uh, yeah, I mean, these things happen where you can you can kind of, quote unquote, qualify for the playoffs and, and not make it because of what other teams do. And, and that's just kind of how the NFL works. But I, I think that's kind of the make or break line. Oh, that's good to know. And it's, it's interesting to me to see the, what the narrative has been, you know, the general public's narrative has been versus the media's narrative has been, you know, on Mike Zimmer moving forward. Uh, you know, it, it, I love the guy. I think he's a great coach. I just think at this point, his message has fallen flat. You know, that's just kind of where I land on it. Mike, you got one. Um, yeah. So my question is because of the fan circles that I follow um, and it is differing on the take on Zimmer right now from the media outlets. My question to you would be, do you see Spielman and Zimmer as a package deal? If one goes, they both go. Um, and a follow-up is, if they do both go, are there any names out there that you may be looking at to, you know, hope that they bring in as either GM or head coach? Yeah, um, I, I'm not super well-versed in what the general manager market looks like. And, and honestly, while I might be well-versed in what the head coach market looks like, I've got no idea if any of those guys are going to be any good at being a head coach. So keep that in mind. But um, yeah, I, my understanding is that they would be a package deal. Um, the last couple of extensions that, that Zimmer and Spielman have received, they have matched up the lengths of their contracts, which I think is a really strong signal that they're kind of you know attached at the hip. Um, very, very recently, I've heard some steam that, that maybe they're not, that maybe Spielman would stay in a situation where, where Zimmer goes. I still find that kind of unlikely, but I do want to point out that I have heard that that, that, that could be the case. Um, I still think it's unlikely, especially because uh, the number of head coaches that, that Spielman um, has overseen, you know, you just don't see general managers go that many head coaches. Like that would be um, fairly unlikely in the history of the, unless they're also the owner like Jerry Jones, right? So it, it would be fairly unlikely to, to see a general manager with that many coaches, but it, that is in the cards. I don't think that's the case. So I think that that likely that they would go. And in terms of head coaches, 
Um, I think uh, it, it would be one of those cases where the Vikings would try to go in the other direction, as it were, um, find an offensive mind to, to counterbalance, you know, the the defensive stuff that they were able to get. I that The difficult part of that is you might not be able to retain some of the staff that you want to retain. Like Andre Patterson has followed Mike Zimmer for a lot of his career, and he's been a really good defensive line coach. So if you hire an offensive guy, you lose Andre Patterson, right? Um, certainly I think Andre Patterson internally is going to be a candidate. That's going to be something that they want to take a look at. A lot of people have been talking about Byron Leftwich. Um, that that's on the table. He strikes me as a guy who's maybe a better coach than he is a head coach. So I don't, I don't know if, if that's going to be up there. Obviously Eric Bianami's name has been thrown around. That's a really popular one. Kellen Moore's name has been thrown around. Um, the one I'm most interested in might be Brian Dable with, uh, with the bills. Um, he's done such an excellent job, uh, with, with Josh Allen and that offense. So, um, there's there's a lot of uh, potential names out there that, that that could be interesting, and I think we're finally going to be able to get away from um, all of the Sean McVay disciples that, that keep on getting hired around the league. Which I mean, some of them have done like really well. Like Matt Lafleur is the best winning percentage. Is like that. It's not bad, right? But uh, it, there's been a lot of those hires, and you know, you end up hiring like the quarterbacks coach like Zach Taylor or um, a guy who coordinated the offense for one year like Arthur Smith. And, I don't know that that's going to keep going. I think that we're probably going to see something like a Kellen or, or a Brian Dable or something like that um, be able to take a job. But we'll see. I, I think those names are on the table. Um, other than that, I, I don't know if they'll go in a defensive direction. Like I said, I think they'll go offensively. Um, the defensive names out there are a little less interesting. Um, maybe Raheem Morris, uh, who just, uh, just spent uh, some time with the Rams um, coordinating that defense. Um, he obviously he has head coach experience as the youngest head coach in the history of the NFL over with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers way back when. Um, and, and there's a couple of other defensive names. The funniest one to me is Leslie Frazier. Um, I don't think the Vikings would hire him back, but you know, his name has been thrown out there as a head coaching candidate. So I just, I wanted to mention that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a, there's a couple of candidates. I, I think the Dable one is, is the most intriguing to me, but again, I, I have no idea if any of these guys are going to be any good. Um, because the things that make you a good coordinator don't necessarily make you a good coach and vice versa. So it's always tough to tell. Yeah. And, and I think the one name that I've actually really liked that I think our producer Tev threw out there was uh, for GM Lewis Riddick. Oh, please. God. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I think that one's awesome. I have no idea what he's still doing on television. Yeah, his name has been thrown around for years as a potential GM candidate. I know that they thought about him as potentially being a GM for the Eagles um, a, a couple of years ago. Um, his name just kind of keeps on getting thrown out there. Obviously, he's got a bunch of scouting experience. He's got a bunch of um, experience kind of at the um, not just at the, the regional scout level, but above that. Um, he's obviously got organizational experience. So that that would be interesting. Um Again, I have no idea if he'd be any good at it, right? right. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, he's he's engaging, right? So it would make my job a lot easier, you know, if he was the <laughs> the general manager. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, if if we're going if we're going in a media direction, it would be kind of fun to see Daniel Jeremiah, right? His name get bandied about. That'd be that'd be dope. I'd love that. <laughs> I love I love DJ's takes, um, and I, and I love the way that uh, he kind of approaches his work. With a lot of uh, you know, care, discipline, and compassion. So I think that that would be good. Um, yeah, I, I saw somebody throw out Kelly Klein's name. You know, she left the Vikings for um, the Broncos to be with uh, George Payton. Um, it, it might be a little bit early for her, but but she has been moving up really quickly. You know, she uh, has been on a bunch of 40 under 40 lists. Um, I think it will probably take a couple of years for her. Um, if we're talking about people who've also been with the Vikings organization, Maul Stevenson has been kind of promoted pretty consistently up inside the Vikings organization. He was most recently... Um, before his most recent promotion, he was the director of college scouting 
um, for the Vikings. Um, and I believe he's taken on basically something very similar to what George Payton's role with the Vikings is now. Um, I know that the Vikings internally think a lot of him. Uh, and so he could definitely be a candidate too. Perfect. Um, and I know you had, I had kind of like a two-parter here, kind of to piggyback off the coaching thing. Obviously we've got a bunch of coordinators that are, that are unproven. There are also some head coaches that have kind of popped their heads out of the rabbit hole here. Um, as you know, obviously two weeks earlier in the season, you're going to have access to being able to interview some of these guys. We've seen Dabo Sweeney out at, you know, uh, Raider stadium. Obviously I think that's that conversation has changed drastically with the firing of urban Meyer. Um, but then, you know, and, and this is an unpopular opinion to Mike, but guys like Doug Peterson who have taken the year off, they've got Super Bowl, you know, pedigree wasn't necessarily that he had built a bad culture. I think the narrative in Philly was that there was just too, you know, there wasn't enough control given to the head coach by the GM and the ownership in that situation. What do you think of those guys that may have some previous head coaching experience as possible candidates, you know, for the Vikings? And then, you know, the, the second part of this is, is there any chance that this team could be the getting healthy, you know, at a right time kind of team? Cause they look drastically different with Tomlinson, Pierce, Cook, Barr, Kendricks, you know, all kind of in the lineup at the same time. And to put up the kind of points that we did, you know, minus, um, you know, Adam Thielen and some of our other key pieces, you know, the what, world has waited what options years, or opportunities we have on that end. And 29 days for Adele's hey, Tab, we've got feed Don't over on that YouTube clip. Crystal clear vinyl today. Adele will be writing us a check, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. All right, all right. right. Here. Um, I'm excited to get Adele on vinyl. I no, uh, to, to answer that, that first question, uh, the, the Doug Peterson hire, I think that would be a pretty intriguing hire. I think, you know, the kinds of things I was just talking about, the kinds of things that make head coaches good versus the kinds of things um, that make coordinators good. Doug Peterson has shown, shown those kinds of qualities, right? He's shown um, a flexibility and a willingness to adapt. He's shown um, a lot of really excellent leadership. He has shown um, a fairly great administrative, uh, you know, uh, instincts in terms of the way that he organizes practices and uh, the way that he incorporates new information. Um, he's been very good about keeping up to date on things, not just like you know the, the analytics of going forward and forth down, but like other types of um, sports science information coming in. Like the Eagles have traditionally been very good at avoiding injuries. And part of that has to do with their commitment of at, um, investing in sports science. You know, that started with Chip Kelly. Doug Peterson took the stuff that he liked from Chip Kelly and kept it. And, and that stuff was, been, was very successful for him. Um, and so uh, there are a lot of qualities that he has that I think would make for an excellent uh, head coach. I think that what happened in Philly uh, was unavoidable, but it's also like not really relevant to the Vikings just in terms of, you know, the way the quarterback fell apart, the way that there was kind of this weird power struggle that there kind of always is um, at the at the top there. Um, so he, he could be kind of an interesting candidate. Um, as for, uh, gosh, I just got the Adele, just maybe lose out on the next question. Oh, the, the healthy at the right time. Yeah. Um, as for the, the question about being healthy, at the right, I, they certainly could be. Um, there are a couple of teams that I think are, are candidates for that. Um, I think the Packers are candidates for that. They're getting like three or four players back. I think David Bakhtiari is one of them. Uh, yet, right, it's pretty unfortunate for Vikings fans. Um, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, could also be that, although they weren't all that hurt anyway, but they're, they're getting their secondary back essentially, which is you know great for them because they've got some really young, talented players there. Um, plus they're getting Antonio Brown back for you know whatever that's worth. <laughs> I mean, he's really talented. So I, that, that to them, it's worth a lot. It's just I mean, I that just fits into that Pittsburgh Steelers narrative we were talking about. <laughs> <Right. show. laughs> 
but yeah, I, I think the Vikings are, are are somewhat in that category too, right? Because you'll get Thielen back. Like you said, they've got, you know, those two uh, defensive tackles coming back. Um, the real question is, uh, you know, obviously you're not going to get Daniel Hunter back. But the real question is how are you going to generate, you know, exterior pass rush? Um, I, I would say it's, it would only be a bonus. It would be pretty unlikely that, you know, Everson Griffin would be in, in a good enough place for, for him to feel comfortable returning. He wouldn't ask that of him unless he was comfortable with it. Um, and so how are they going to generate that pass rush? Well, getting Anthony Barr back has been pretty helpful. You know, he was really instrumental in the way that the Vikings were able to generate pass rush um, against both the Lions and the Steelers, actually. And so um, he, he, he would be an effective element of that. Um, but just having kind of that group available to you um, assuming that no one goes through surprise protocol. I think Zimmer mentioned today that they're hopeful that they'll get Ed Thielen for the Chicago game on Monday night. That tells me that they certainly expect him um, a week after and, and for the playoffs, unless there's uh, you know some kind of new injuries that pop up. Uh, and then Bashad Breland's injury uh, in, in the Pittsburgh game wasn't an injury. He was ill, right? So he was just throwing up, right? Uh, and so you, you would expect him to not be in that state uh, by, by the time the playoffs roll around. Uh, and so you'll probably have a healthier cornerback group too. Um, obviously, injuries down the road in these next couple of weeks would disrupt that narrative, but it certainly seems like the Vikings are in that category where a lot of the players that they were really missing out on the past couple of weeks, they're getting, they're getting them back in droves, and that's going to help them out a lot. So they certainly could be the team that, that sees a, a small bump in their performance just because of players are to help, and that might be all they need. Perfect. Perfect. And I mean, we can all be hopeful, right? Like cross your fingers and pray that healthy at the right time means that maybe we can make a little bit of a push here uh, down the stretch. I know uh, Mike's got another one for you. And then I might have a, a final follow-up before we let you go and get on with your day. I know being at the TCO performance center, I wouldn't want to be sitting here talking to us. I'd want to be walking around <laughs> talking to players. So. so unfortunately it is week 15 and we are talking about, you know, a possible new head coach, new GM for next year with us basically being a, possible playoff team you know a lot of teams around the nfl would be pretty happy to be where we're at currently um, not us so i guess my question is what can we expect you know especially going into chicago on monday night and moving forward for, for the rest of the season with zimmer and spielman and some of these guys really fighting for their jobs <sighs> it's uh it's going to be tough to uh to, to see a team that's kind of down and out uh find uh you know the the last things that they need to in order to really you know finish out the playoffs i think it's entirely possible that the vikings have an opportunity to win out again I, I wrote a piece over the athletic about their playoff odds right now their playoff odds are anywhere between 25 to 36 percent depending on you know which, which is a wide range right um uh, depending on which analytical firm you look at right so like uh, i think 538 has them at 24 percent or something like that football outsiders has them at 36 percent there's like three or four other groups that have them somewhere in between. Um, I think that the Vikings are, are probably at the low end of that um, just because um, a lot of things have to go their way. Um, you know, Philadelphia has kind of found a little bit of a groove. I didn't really think much of that to me at the beginning of the season. They're doing a couple of things. Um, I don't know that I think Washington's probably going to go the other way, but it's not going to matter because it's either them or Philadelphia. I think Dallas has found their groove. Uh, and so it's going to be tough for the Vikings to, to really beat out the other runners up in the divisions, the NFC East, the NFC South. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, obviously the Rams are the runners up in that division. So it's really the 49ers that they're really competing with for the uh, six, seven seed. Uh, and they don't have the head to head against the 49ers. Um, but I, I think that the one thing that Zimmer does really well is making sure that teams guide uh, continue fighting. I guess they, 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 they tend to have, 
um, the ability to, to maintain it. Uh, the one thing is that when a game seems kind of pointless, the team definitely falls flat. Like I think a bunch of the week 17 games against Chicago that we've seen, it's just like, yeah, I mean, it, the, when Chicago played only their backups, they should have won that game. They didn't, right? <laughs> like, uh, that's that's the one. Is when a game seems pointless, it, it really does seem like Zimmer has a, has a difficulty getting the team uh, motivated. But when a game uh, is is really important to the team, it, it does seem like that they've got you know that that capability to kind of push through. And the fact that the Vikings have been in all these close games, um, Zimmer keeps on saying, "Hey, this is a team of fighters," and it can get kind of obnoxious to hear it every week, especially if you've got a losing record. Um, certainly, I've gotten kind of sick of hearing it. But he's, he's not like wrong either, right? <laughs> they yeah. do they do finish out. So uh, I, I think that uh, I think that the odds of them making the playoffs are, are fairly low. But I don't know that I would write them off or anything like that. I think that the team is probably going to continue to uh, make these games interesting and close. At least see some good football down the stretch here. Yeah, yeah I'm, sure. I'm game. I'm game for that as long as it's good football, and then we can get. To the Minnesota's favorite quote, which is what, Mike? It's always next year. There you always go. Next year. Yeah, it's um, always next year. Yeah, so uh, let's grab a score prediction from you on the Bears game. And then I know um, with Irv Smith having surgery back in September, the recovery timetable was about four to five months. Not that I think, obviously, he's going to be back and available to play. But what's the feeling? Has he been around the facility? Have you been able to, you know, kind of see him reintegrate himself and, and, and prepare? And what does he look like? You know, and, or what's his 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 state, you know, or mentally coming back, you know, in a year where he thought he was, you know, going to be, and everybody did, thought he was going to be one of the guys in the offense. Yeah, uh, a quick score prediction. I think the Vikings win. I don't think very much the Bears, even though going going to Soldier Field has always been difficult for the Vikings. I think I picked the Vikings 24-20. Hey. Um, they, they should win by more, but there's shenanigans. All but they're the Vikings, <laughs> so they're going right, to be yeah. shenanigans. Yeah, exactly. Um, as for Irv Smith, um, I personally, I haven't seen him, uh, around the facility. I know he's, he's here, right? I mean, first of all, he probably should be, but second, I've seen his car. Um, so <laughs> I, I know, he's, I know he's here, but, uh, my, my understanding is that, uh, you know, when I've talked to Tyler Conklin or when I've talked to position coaches or whatever, my understanding is that Irv Smith is, is about as upbeat as you, I wouldn't say that he's upbeat, but about as upbeat as you could be given that he's like, was poised for this breakout year and that the offense seems kind of designed for a player like him to, to pop off and it just wasn't there for them and um it, it's one of those things where you know it's very obvious that that a player like him would be happy for like tyler conklin and what he's doing but also knowing you know what what's happening with conklin also means that there probably would have been opportunities for him right yeah. so um i can't speak directly to his mental state but i can say um that based off the conversation to the people around him it, it certainly seems like uh, you know he's approaching this as positively as you can uh, and, and that he was, he's, I think it, you know, he very quickly turned his focus to, to finding a way to be the best player he could be next year and, and kind of shifting away from, from lost opportunities this year, which is probably the, the, the way that you should approach it. If you want to be, you know, uh, in a good state of mind as the season progresses. Right. No, and I wouldn't, I, I, I'm glad to hear that. I think he's going to be poised for a big year in 2022, just like I thought he was going to be poised for something big in 2021. Um, any parting shots before we, uh, before we let you go, and then hopefully we'll be able to check in with you again. Fingers crossed for Vikings playoff football. But if not, then we'll have lots of things to talk about in the coaching hunt. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think one thing, the parting shot. Um, I would say that if the Vikings miss the playoffs or something like that, 
I think one of the most interesting conversations we can have is whether or not a team is willing to trade for Kirk Cousins and if the Vikings are willing to blow it up because he is a little bit more tradable than you might think given his contract. So that's okay. the part of shot. Yeah, we were kind of talking about that last week, man. So uh, we'll see how everything plays out, and we'll have you back on when it's time to address some of those issues. Ladies and gentlemen, the Athletics, Arif Hassan, thanks for joining us. As always, looking forward to having you back. Awesome. Yeah, we, thanks for having me, man. Have a good one. Peace. We need to get a round of applause like thing for him as he leaves because he's always got such great information for us. He's got awesome takes. Right. And I'm glad that. Oh, hey! look at that. I love that we got those and Adele soundtracks yep. mid set. So, um, all right, Mike. Well, I guess we're kind of off to the races on the Chicago game here. What are your thoughts moving forward before I tell you why I believe we're actually not going to be able to pull this one out? So, uh, I'm kind of up in the air about the Chicago game itself. Okay. Um, I'm not really up in the air as far as our playoff chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Reef thinks, I would say, to put a number to what he was saying, I would put, I would just say, Arif would say 25% shot that the Vikings make the playoffs. Would you agree with that? That's yeah. a pretty accurate number. Um, I would say 10 or less. <laughs> so we know where Mike stands um, as far as um, the for, playoffs. I just don't, like, we're too far behind at this point. We're going to have to beat, in my opinion, everybody, better teams. Everybody. Um, I, just don't, I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, I, I would agree. I think this may be like the last good win you see the Vikings get if they get one. And I don't think they're going to be able to. And I'm actually going to show you why. Hey, Tev, I got some slides from the Pittsburgh game uh, that I would like you to pull up if you got them. Okay. So I have a, a, a theory here, and I'm going to start by showing it on the Viking side. You cannot ever in the NFL anymore give wide receivers this much space. Okay. Reason being is you leave your corners in a position where they're catching. They're so much they're so crafty at route running these days that it's no matter what you do, giving them this much space gives them too many options. This turns out to be the long ball that KJ Osborne catches uh, to pretty much keep us in this ball game and com- from completely falling apart. Let's go ahead and just filter through these Vikings ones all from the second half while we had a lead. Okay. Go ahead and look at that. By the way, that's a 30-yard reception. What's the next one? Oh, fantastic. Look at the, like, on the slot guy. And Deontay Johnson and, and, and some of the weapons that they have in the slot, knowing the Pittsburgh Steelers, are good. Once again, 10, 7. And this is on fourth down, by the way. Guys just lined up off the ball. And then I think we've got one more. Last play of the game. Both guys playing off, safeties, heels, catching, on and leaving the center of the field open. Now, Harrison Smith makes the Hall of Fame caliber play that you would expect him to make of a guy of his stature. But situationally, in the defensive backfield, we have just been horrendous. And if we do this against Chicago, this is what gets us beat. I believe in, no matter what receivers they have. In, in the coach's defense, like pre-snap, and post snap, like once you roll the tape, you're gonna see like, oh, did Kendricks drop back? Did Barr drop back? Did one blitz? Did somebody's like that? It's not all just like yes, you would like to show some tighter coverage, but you can manipulate pictures to prove any point. Well, I froze these as the ball was snapped, and I understand like post post snap, like Kendricks can drop and things, but lining up like those corners are not moving. They're not running forward at their receivers. Why would you? My point exactly, but then you give them seven yards to shift and they get you out of position. 12. 
Right. And 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 if they're in press coverage and they yeah, that's beat, easier to beat. Yeah, if they get beaten press coverage, well now it's well you know they have to go for the end zone. Well there's three I will say this and I'll give credit to a coach on the Andover football coaching staff, uh, our defensive line coach Dave Paddock. Uh he and I both agree actually and we've talked about this numerous times. Um, the d- most difficult coverage for a defensive back to play is off man. So if you start off seven, eight yards off the ball and you are truly playing man on that outside receiver, then yes, I think that that's a very difficult coverage to play. Um, receivers can tie you up, especially at the NFL level, uh, with their route running. However, if you're in a cover three look, which the Vikings are in a majority of the time with Harrison Smith down in the box, mm-hmm. you got to be eight, ten yards off. I just think with the way that we're able to generate a pass rush. Because here's the how thing, about, dude. You how put Rashad Breland pressing Devontae Adams. That's that's a 99-yard touchdown then. Yeah. And the, Wouldn't you agree, Tev? Yeah, and I would say my issue with these, and also I'd like to point out that in your first picture, you put the Steelers on defense rather than the Vikings on defense. Cause my, no, cause my point is you can't ever give a receiver this much space. I, I, because in, and I watched, I went I, through and I watched play by play on these. My issue would, with this more so is the fact that like you see these guys standing straight up and down and they don't necessarily look ready for the ball to be snapped. Like we have Harrison Smith looks like he's still communicating with Woods back here, and we have guys like just not really looking like they're ready for the ball. This and I mean, to Tevin's point too, like I, I'm sorry to, you know, rain on your parade here. <laughs> Go ahead. But especially in that last play, like that's a huge staple of the Vikings defense is showing that double A gap pressure and, then dropping, and then dropping into the middle of the field. I agree. It's a bluff. So like, I mean, with just the picture and without rolling the clip. But with three seconds left on the clock, if they pick up just a first down, it doesn't matter. Use the back of the end zone as the other defender. Like, get up, and even if they then push them to the boundary, push them to the back of the end zone. You see it happen every week in NFL football where you're watching wide receivers, running backs, tight ends run across the back line, but the, the but the defender is in front of them. That probably means that they gave up some space at the line of scrimmage. It adds another thing that the offense and it that has to account for, and it tightens down the windows in, in on this play specifically. But on the rest of them, it's not like I was pulling clips from when these guys were in zone. These were all opportunities where the guy that was backed off got burned. Like the deep shots down the field were all man coverage situations. In a man coverage situation, you can't allow guys that much space. You're right. In 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 you know soft man coverage, it's unacceptable. And that's all we did the entire I mean, I'm second half. I'm not necessarily half. saying that it's unacceptable. It is very difficult to play, and I don't think that our corners are good. Hyper talented is what I would say. Um, so let's actually take a peek at the last play of the game here. Thank you, Tove. All right, so here, oops, sorry, let me pull up my viewers. So we're gonna try to do a masterful work of the last game, last play of the game here. All right, so yeah, this is the essentially the same picture that we just saw. Now we're just gonna roll live. Okay, so right, it's like so what they actually played. So so Tev, let me know if you agree. What I'm seeing here is like a two lock two-man under, whatever you want to call it. We're playing man-to-man underneath, and then our two safeties are playing half the field. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, Barr is responsible for running with this tight end. 
Right. Which he's got a great track record for pass coverage. So let's just throw that out there. So yeah, so he and Barr is actually the, yeah, like like he just gets, if you didn't catch the sarcasm in Nick's statement right there, Barr is not not great in pass coverage, good at all no. in pass coverage. Yeah, and I don't know what he's doing at all. Like he's just not good in pass coverage, which I think is also a bigger issue. We kind of have a notorious habit of putting him and other players in positions where they're not necessarily suited to be successful. Right, agreed. I don't, know. I, I don't know, Nick. I, I personally, I'm. I apologize. You don't have to because I'm not like moving big, from my stance. A big thing that you had, you know, you made the graphics and everything, and you, uh, it was did too, all that too much soft coverage in second but half. I would have to disagree with you. Well, go ahead. Glass half empty on. Uh, to be honest, I think it was the offense not being able to move the ball at all and going too pass heavy in the second half that really killed us. Could be. I mean, football's the, football's a you got to win all three phases, right? Like, I, well, I, get that. I agree. But here's the thing: if we would have had a six minute drive and then punted, and then a six minute drive and then punted, that's a whole quarter gone right there. Right. So I don't know. I, I just and we, I wouldn't have brought this up also if me and you hadn't previously discussed on this show. Zimmer is notorious for lining these corners up five yards off, seven yards off in situations where they absolutely should not be. Right? I you're, mean, I would agree with up that. I just by don't 20, agree with the scenarios that you pointed out today as the scenarios. You're up that by 29 points. What would you rather do? Press coverage and send guys after the quarterback and try to get that offense stalled or let them gain momentum. If I'm up 29 points, I am playing anything but press coverage, to be honest with you. I'm not playing them eight yards off the ball. That's fine. You can play press and get beat over the top, and all of a sudden, boom, they're in the game, and there's the momentum back to them. So damned if you do, damned if you don't? Like I said, I'm probably the only one who's actually pointing the finger at the offense. All right. You've been pointing the finger at the defense all offseason. I have. What's your Bears prediction? Uh... 1816 Bears. 1816. What a score. Because we're going to Soldier Field. Shit gets weird there. <laughs> like a pigeon will probably score a touchdown or something. I don't know. <laughs> like stuff gets weird there all the time. So I'm going to say 1816 Bears. And I'm going to say it's the Vikings defense again, not being able to. Like we talked about this at the very beginning of the show. Finish. You just got to finish. The one game that they've basically <laughs> been able to finish was the Steelers game. Yeah. And they only finished one play. They didn't even finish this whole second half. No, I agree. I got it as 17-20 Vikings. Just enough to give you hope. Mm -hmm. It's the hope that kills you. Uh, yeah, right. That's what I'm thinking. Tevin, how about you? Uh, yeah, it'll be a low-scoring game. Most likely we'll probably pull it out by like a field goal at the end. <laughs> Dalvin will probably have a big game. And then Justin Fields will have some close Justin calls Fields to... will look like an MVP yeah, candidate. Yeah, he'll have some close <laughs> game almost drive at the end. Oh, fantastic. So excited to hear about that or to experience that because Ohio State quarterbacks are never good, but we'll make them look like a diamond in the rough. Let us know what you guys think about uh, the Minnesota Vikings win over the Pittsburgh Steelers and the upcoming matchup for the Chicago Bears. Um, by the way, where can they comment or can they comment during live, live during the show, Mike? Like, can people yeah. get in touch with us right yeah. now? Yeah, go ahead and comment on the show. This is an interactive show, guys. Um, go ahead and comment over at Notoriety Sports Network. Uh, last thing I have to say about the Steelers game. So, what what technically is a near miss? What do you mean? 
like if I said that was a near miss, isn't a near miss technically a hit? Yeah. Right? So this was a near loss. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's technically a win, but it's a near loss. Harrison Smith earned every penny of that contract that Zim and Spielman gave him under their leadership by saving their jobs on that play. Yep. All right. Well, so like Nick said, let us know what you think about the Vikings-Steelers matchup, and we're going to kind of transition into the NFL abroad Yeah. for Week 14, and I think you want to start first with how the AFC playoff picture is fucked up. looks like the Minnesota Vikings' defense. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. It looks good. looks bad. <laughs> Like, I don't, don't really know what's happening. Like the fact that the rate, like I get the Bengals lost, and they were like in the playoff. They're they're not even in the hunt anymore. They're like they were like they got like all they fell all the way out of the playoffs in one week, and it's just so weird to me in the AFC how locked up everything is. I wouldn't say they're out of the playoffs when they're one game back in their division, but okay. But how many teams are sitting there at seven and six? Yep. Like six, like six teams. So in the AFC, there are one, two, three, four, five teams just at seven and six. And then there's one, two, two, eight, and five teams. It's such three, a nine, jumbled and four teams. mess. And it's such a jumbled mess. And then, so, you know, the Steelers and Raiders, six, six, and one, and six, and seven. <laughs> Dolphins are six and seven. So it's pretty close with, uh, it's super close. 15, 16, 17, 18, four this weeks is to play. The, this is the deepest I've ever been into an NFL season where I have no idea <coughs> who the playoff teams should be. Agreed. <coughs> and it, it it drives me nuts because now you're looking at the Bills who are sliding and Josh Allen now has a bum wheel, right? He banged his foot up in that game. The Ravens are going to be with a limited Lamar Jackson in an already limited injury. So is that like the opposite of Russell Wilson? Unlimited. <laughs> Limited Lamar. Limited Lamar. Um, the Browns, who apparently now have not only uh, functional issues on the field, have dysfunctional issues in the back office with Baker, which we have been talking about all season long. You could, I could put 10 bets out right now on who the playoff teams are going to be. I could, every single one of them could be wrong. I have no fucking clue. Unless you bet on the Browns, then you'd be right. They're not making the playoffs. They're not. No, don't. No. I hope the Browns miss the playoffs and they fire Stefanski. The Vikings miss and they you fire You also said Zimmer. the Steelers at the beginning of the year were going to be trash. They're not making the playoffs either. They're 6-6-1. Six, six, they could finish 10-6-1. It's, it's, it's a fucking mess. So why do you think it is so tough? Like, what is the difference between this year and years past? Why is it so congested this late into the season? Well, I would say... In years past, we have seen basically, you know, dominant teams dominate throughout the year. Like the Patriots. So, like the Patriots, um, I was referencing, you know, this decade, maybe the Chiefs. Gotcha. Um, and the Chiefs started out, what, one and three? Yeah, and now they're going to get a bye. And they're, now they're sitting at nine and four. Um, the Chargers are an extremely up and down team. The definition of, the of inconsistent. Um you know, they can beat pretty much any team in the NFL 50 to nothing, but they could also lose 35 to nothing. Um, we saw that when, you know, the Vikings played them. We, we looked really good against the Los Angeles Chargers, who are a possible playoff team. Uh, top seed in the yeah. NFC, Jesus. in my opinion. Um, yeah, it, anytime you can have, you know, basically a one seed that's three and four at home. Yeah. It's interesting. It's It's just... It's a very interesting NFL this year. I don't think that there's one team that's better than all the rest. Oh, the Patriots. 
unless they play at home. That's true. They're three and four at home. They had to play Brady at home. Discount one of those losses. That so wasn't a home I'm, game. I understand. They're nine and four. All four losses are at home yeah. thus far. Yes, they have won seven straight, but it's it's uh, it's a weird NFL because I don't think that there's that one team. Yeah, you know, let alone AFC NFC. There's not one team in the NFL that stands above the rest, in my opinion. Yeah. The Rams showed it for a few weeks, and then they dropped off. The Chiefs showed it for a few weeks, and then they dropped off. The Chargers looked really good for a bit. They're gone. The Bills looked really good looked for a like bit. world beaters. They're gone. Um, the Ravens started out really you know, weak. The Browns Basically early in the season. The li- starting line looked pretty good and then dropped off again. The Raiders? I mean, honestly, I think the best team in the AFC, well-rounded best team in the AFC, was the Titans. I think it still Derek is. Henry get, get, got hurt. And he's going to be back. So, I would keep your eyes on the Titans. Jesus Christ. The AFC is a mess. And I, I just don't know what to do with it. So, I just wanted to... I just That I was my takeaway after, after watching the Week 14 games. I was sitting there looking at the playoff picture like, what the fuck? I mean, like... I know that it's not AFC, but the three best records in the NFL right now are the Buccaneers, Packers, and Cardinals. I don't think the Cardinals are that good. No, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think the Cardinals are that good. Mike's delusional. Look at the Vikings schedule. We had them by a field goal. If Greg Joseph could kick like an NFL kicker, we beat the Cardinals. You are what your record says you are. Shut up, Bill Parcells. (laughs) The Packers aren't that good. We beat them. And we're not a playoff team. And the Buccaneers, I, I don't know. The Buccaneers are weird as hell. Maybe what you're really trying to say is that the Vikings are one of the best teams in the NFL. Don't even. <laughs> I mean, like Nick just said, you're you are what your record says you are. So <laughs> clearly, we are not. Um, it's just interesting, man. There's not that dominant team in the NFL this year. Weird. It is weird, weird to see that. Yeah, the, like the it first doesn't time. happen often. So, what do you got as your uh, your big take? One of your first takeaways for the week 14. Yeah, um, there were a few games that I was, you know, keeping my eye on. I unfortunately watched the Thursday night game between the Vikings and Steelers, um, and I stayed up through the whole thing. Um, my girlfriend actually went to bed when we were up 29 nothing at half. I fell asleep with a beer in my hand thinking I was going to be able to go to bed early. Yeah. Um, and, and she actually asked me as we were scoring all the points in the first half because I was basically staying silent. On the couch, and she's like, "Why aren't you? Why aren't you cheering?" This is my impression of Samantha. Why aren't, <laughs> why aren't you cheering for your team right now? They're they're scoring touchdowns. I was like, "Because I know my team, <laughs> and the game ain't over." Um, Not they, even close. they almost found a way to blow it. Uh, I thought the Browns Ravens game was very interesting. I guess that'll be my first take. Um, what was interesting about it? How the Ravens played without Lamar? Yeah, was the most interesting thing to me, and they almost came away with the win. How many coach of the years? Does Harbaugh have? He's got to have one this year. If they make the playoffs, he's got to have one because that team, from going into training camp to right now, is a whole lot of different names. Yeah. And I don't know. They have made Devontae Freeman like a, a back again. Yeah. Which the answer to that question, by the way, is not enough. I don't know how many he right. has. The answer is not enough. Right. The decision to move on from Flacco to get to Lamar, coach of the year type decision. What they've been able to do in the regular season the last three years, coach of the year type stuff. 
what he's done this year, the conversation should not even be had. Right. In my opinion. I think they have to make the playoffs. But if they make the playoffs, it's his. And they're at a risk of not they're at risk of not. If Lamar doesn't come back and look half decent, they but, might I mean they looked fall pretty out. good without him though. It was yeah. kind of my point. So but he's gonna could, play this could, week. They could win a few games without Lamar. If They're, needed. But he's going to play. That's my point. Like, well, is a limited Lamar better than It's Hundley? a low ankle sprain, though, so one step wrong. Well, re-aggravate it. Right. So what's your second takeaway? Um, talk about DPOI, I think. This man, Micah Parsons is a world beater. We got highlights, and I'll let Tevin roll them, but this guy can do anything he wants at any spot on the field. Like, he could play middle linebacker and have 130 tackles. He could play defensive end and have 16 sacks. He could line up as like a hybrid Jamal Adams down in the box type safety and probably have four or five interceptions. And he's a rookie. So how impressive is this? Incredibly impressive. Why? The, he is exactly who we all thought Isaiah Simmons was going to be coming out of Clemson. That is who he is. He could line up anywhere on the field and wreck ball games. You got a, a weak left tackle. That's where I'm putting him. You 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 know you don't have your strength is over the middle of the field, thinking you're going to run routes there. He's playing middle linebacker. You want to run the ball? I'll put him. You know I'll let him roam around playing like a hybrid safety role. He literally can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it. And they were talking about it on the Pat McAfee show earlier this week. This guy really doesn't even know what he's doing yet. Like wait till he figures out how to set moves up in the first for the fourth, or how to better leverage himself, how to better treat his body. You know, wait till he's like a pro's pro. Dude, this is, barring injury, is going to be a guy that the Dallas Cowboys need to hang their head on for the next 10 years. So I want to give my credit to Michael Parsons as well. Um, the interesting thing that I want to point out with him, though, is I think he, his prototype build is the future of the NFL. So imagine if the Vikings had... Yeah four to five guys like that or any team had four to five guys like that. Cause more and more players are coming out like that. That's true. So, and it started at the safeties. That then it played. goes, okay, well now I can confuse the quarterback because now I can take my middle linebacker and put him at DN and take my DN and put him at middle linebacker, or I can switch my outside linebackers or I can run a three, four all of a sudden, like on a dime and switch because of the personnel and the types of players that I have. And then add into that, the fact that these numbers are, one through 99 now, and Michael yeah. Parsons is wearing 11. <laughs> like, you're going to start seeing defenses with just a bunch of athletes. It's yeah. not going to be the prototypical 330-pound nose guard in your 3-4 defense, and then your 290-pound defensive ends, and then your edge rushers off the edge. I think you're, this is what you're going to see more of, is those 6'3", 250, 260-pound guys who can fly, and then Jesus. defenses are going to get really, really interesting. Oh, it's gonna because it, the NFL has always gone in in waves, mm -hmm. offense, defense, offense, defense, defense. Yep. So you saw the Wildcat, you saw defenses stop it. Now we're getting into like this the true wide open air raid, like get spacing, zone schemes. That's the defense's answer. It's just straight speed, and it's and power, incredible. All over the field. In defense of all of the other just regular mere mortals in the NFL, <laughs> there's not a lot of Micah Parsons Correct. prototypes walking around right. that are just all of a sudden going to enter. But doesn't it seem like we're getting more now than ever? It, like, oh, it, I mean, like, Jadavion Clowney, if was, he came out 
you know, around the same year as Micah Parsons, they're very similar, I almost think. I think you could drop Javion Clowney into a true linebacker role and he would be just fine. Well, I think, you know, look at Anthony Anthony Barr is another example of, of what would, what this was early, right? Like, yep. he was a running back in college, and then he played D-end, and then he came out and we made him an outside linebacker. Right. Like, early in his career, had we been able to shift him around like this, you're talking about a different player. Right. You're talking about... It also, I think, lends to you not needing to have like a lot of depth at certain positions, so it's going to allow you to work the salary cap more. I 100% think that this guy is the future of what defenses are going to look like. So to credit Teb's comment, yes, Micah Parsons is a unicorn. My point is we're starting to see more, more unicorns. Yeah, and I think where this could really change is like younger kids coming up that are like the tweener positions or like a big safety saying, okay, you know what? Well, I'm also going to learn how to play linebacker because I know I could be more versatile. And that's where you're going to see more guys try to mold their bodies to be able to be lean and fast, but yet still big. Right. The way that he just walked back fucking 330 pound left tackles. You know what I mean? It's insane. So the question is, is he your defensive rookie of the year? I think he has to be, if not defensive player of the year. I was going to say, he's the defensive player of the year. Um, like you said, he would probably lead the league in sacks if he actually rushed the passer every time. He'd yeah. probably lead the league in tackles if he actually just played linebacker every play. So what? that could almost hurt his chances, just statistically, because he does basically play two different positions. Right. But What's right. up, Tev? I was going to say, watching him play kind of feels like watching like Troy Polamalu play where he's just all over the field yeah. and always around the ball like he's going to be a problem for years to come. He reminds me a ton of um Dawkins from the Eagles. Brian Dawkins, yep. When they used to play him down in the box. You know what I mean? Just the ability to go sideline to sideline be faster than everybody he's playing against and then when he wants to get up under your grill he's going to move you. You know sure. what I mean? Like so the follow-up question to this the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs. In a playoff run, if Micah Parsons stays hot, is he world beater enough? Is he game wrecker enough even now to get them to an NFC championship game? No. Really? Really? Against those other defenses? You forget the team that he plays for. Right, but think about the teams he's going to have to play against. You forget the team that he plays for. They're not going to win a playoff game. (laughs) They're the Dallas Cowboys. Tony Romo's the Vikings choke, but we win some games. <laughs> Dallas will not win a playoff game. Yikes. Wow. Bold prediction by Mike. And then what's your final takeaway? My final takeaway was the Cardinals Rams game. Yeah. Is Odell back back? I don't really care. I'm <laughs> done talking about him. Um, But I mean, this was the game that really threw the entire NFL into that spin because if the Cardinals would have won, they would have been the true one seed in the NFC still. Yep. Um, Left the door just, open. Now it's, I think every team in the NFL has at least three losses through week 14, which is like the first time ever in 10 years or something <laughs> yeah. that that's happened. So, um, yeah, it's just that loss by the Cardinals makes this even more open-ended. So we'll see what happens going down the stretch. Yeah. So using that as our segue, mm-hmm. let's kind of, move into our week 15 key matchups yeah so get your popcorn ready because there's one game i want to watch more than any game in the world and it's going to be this renewal of this patriots colts rivalry because if mac jones goes in and sticks a dagger in the heart of that franchise to pick up where brady left off 
I will feel worse for the Colts than I have ever felt for the Vikings on any missed field goal. Because they have, once again, put together a squad that should be making a run. But Bill Belichick and a average quarterback are going to beat him again. And it's just like continuing the narrative of how the hell are they ever going to be able to get over the hump? So do you see Mac Jones being over or under six and a half passes this week? <laughs> I think that he's going to have a full slate. Are they, they're playing um, in Indianapolis. They playing in New England. Mm, let me double check that. I just had it in front of me, actually. Patriots, Colts. It is Patriots at Colts. Yeah, it's, so indo- indoors, it's indoors at Indy. Which does not bode well so here's for the, the Colts. Will New England have the capability of slowing down Jonathan Taylor? Yeah. Okay, well, that was easy for you to answer. Uh, what what gives? What would tell you that Bill Belichick isn't going to be able to eliminate another team's best player? Because he's also probably one of the NFL's best players. I, I don't he's disagree with good. you. I don't disagree with you, but has he not faced other backs this year, other wide receivers, other quarterbacks? That he is just limited based on his... He is a football wizard, genius. Like, watching the man in the arena and understanding a little bit better, like, how Bill Belichick gets things done just gives even more respect, which I didn't think I could have, to him and how he's able to operate week in and week out. And if the... You know, the Colts have already put some bulletin board material out there. You know, saying that they're that the that the the Patriots' offense will be easy to stop. So I'm sure they're feeding on that. Being in the dome, you know, you're going to get perfect conditions for Mac Jones. There's that two-headed monster at running back that they have seems to be emerging. So they could just time a possession and have Jonathan Taylor play playing from behind. This coaching staff likes to throw the ball. I don't know, man. I don't even know. I, and if the Colts don't pull this out. They're at risk of missing the playoffs. They're at seven and seven, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be a good game. Uh it is interesting that the Colts Patriots rivalry is, you know, possibly gonna get their fire stoked again. <laughs> but I don't exactly see Carson Wentz and Mac Jones being on the same level as Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. No, you're right. Mac Jones will eventually be Tom Brady and Carson Wentz will eventually be bagging groceries. Okay. I also want to clip that because you just said Mac Jones will be Tom Brady. So Carson Wentz will not be bagging groceries. We do not accept any NDSU buys and slander on this show. Uh, I would disagree with you. That may, I had doubts about him coming in. I don't think he's the guy now. We have a legend of a wide receiver as the producer of this show, but that legendary quarterback is probably couldn't. I think Carson away. Wentz's biggest issue, and then we'll move on to the next game. I think his biggest issue is confidence. Because at NDSU, he was totally confident in his ability and, and his health, and he freaking dominated. And early with Philly, he was confident in his ability and health and dominated. I don't know if it's a sports psychologist thing or just, you know, over time, but it's it's a different Carson Wentz that we've seen lately versus when he first came into the league. But he is better than when he left Philly, too, so. Well, I mean, shit. You could go outside right now and throw hand, left-handed and be better than Carson was his last year in Philly. Tevin, do you want to come in here and smack him, or do you want? Yeah, me to the show's go? over. Streams down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the second game that we're going to highlight for Week 15 is Browns and Raiders. Uh, again, two teams that are vying for a possible playoff shot. Um, we'll get there. Let's see here. 
And why am I not surprised that at this crucial part in the season, the Browns have a COVID outbreak, which is really just a violation of protocols type thing in a Baker-led offense? Yeah. Browns are sitting at seven and six. Raiders are sitting at six and seven. Um, both are still alive for sure in the AFC playoff hunt. So, well, I don't know how alive the Raiders are, but I mean, I mean, if they win this week and the Raiders lo- or the Broncos lose, yeah, they're both seven and seven. Um, I mean, Chargers don't have an easy matchup against the Chiefs, so the Chargers could be sitting at eight and six. Raiders could be seven and seven with three games to play. Wow. So yeah, they're definitely alive. And the Browns are going to be down three O linemen, a wide receiver, and I, Baker. Yeah. Which I, I I think the Raiders are going to win this one. I do too, and I think the this is going to be the start of all the unraveling. If the Browns lose this week, with all the comments that have been made about the voices internally from Baker, his health, they traded Odell out of town, and I know you don't want to talk about him, but he looks a hell of a lot better in L.A. than he ever did in Cleveland. Well, they actually throw him the ball, and it's a wide open offense in Los Angeles. That, but that's that's as an organization structurally, that falls on everybody. That falls on the GM, the head coach, the quarterback, the wide. I've been telling you the whole freaking year that it's the Browns' like scheme that is holding some of these players back. I've also seen plenty of balls thrown over his head and at his feet. Okay, it's not a play action rollout. That's not Baker's style, man. That is his style. It's the only thing he's good at is ball fakes, bruh. Go watch his freaking Heisman Trophy winning year in college, and tell me how many ball fakes he threw off of. Are you joking? Are you the same quarter? Are you the same? Are you kidding me? You right four now. years ago, Mike is right. I'm sorry, Baker's not a franchise quarterback. Yeah, if you keep him in the pro style offense that he's in, I would have to agree with you. Case Keenum looks better as the Browns quarterback because he's like fits that system. There's such a thing as a scheme fit. Is he about to elevate another team to the playoffs? Oh my God! Is Case Keenum gonna go out and win this Raiders game and then secure a uh, secure two back to back wins if Baker uh, can't produce positive tests at the end of the season? I mean, if you ask you, you know, he won't be able to produce them ever because Baker never produces, right? I just think okay. he's not okay. the right quarterback for Cleveland. I would agree with you because of the scheme. Change the scheme and he'd be great. Baker's the right quarterback for Houston. Sure. Houston quarterbacks often last a real long time. Okay. <laughs> but it's just, like I said, it doesn't surprise me that a team led by him is having Start calling you Nelson. Proto- protocol issues at a crucial part in the season. I mean, it's out of their control, in my opinion. Like, you get, it's, it's. I'm not going to get into it. All, All right. right. Let's move to the next game. Let us know what you think about the Raiders and Browns game and Nick's atrocious take on oh, Baker Mayfield. Stop it. So stop now we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington going to be the Red Tails in 2025. Nice. Like your prediction. Yeah. Um, Arif kind of alluded to this earlier in the earlier in uh, the show. It's going to be one or the other, right? It's going to be Washington or it's going to be Philly. That kind of makes the push here and they play each other this week. Um, so it's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. Have they decided on starting quarterback? What is the deal with Philadelphia right now? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to admit ignorance here. No idea. Don't really care about Philadelphia. 
I don't either. I this is thirty-one to seven made me never care about Philadelphia ever again. And then so. what they did when they came to Minnesota was despicable. Yep, trash fans, trash team, trash people. Oh, ouch! Don't even care. But um, so does I mean? But we have to think, right? Washington's the one that holds that playoff spot right now. If they lose, do we and we win? Are we in, or is it Philly that takes that spot? So if Washington loses, they're six and eight. Philly would be seven and seven, as well as us. Um, tiebreaker is typically conference record or divisional record. Uh, and I don't have that statistic. In and front all of, of their divisional games are coming up down the stretch. Like right. they have to play Dallas again. I think they have to play Washington. I, I would not. I don't think it's going to be Washington, Philly, or the Vikings in the playoffs, to be honest. With Woo. Good news all around. I think it's going to be probably the Rams as one of the wild cards. I would see. I mean, gosh, actually, the NFC South is atrocious other than the Bucks. Real bad. Real bad. Yeah, I mean, it might be Rams, Niners. I mean, then it would have to be, yeah, one of those three teams. Remember last week when you were like, how are the Vikings going to back their way into the playoffs? That's how. Yeah, because everybody else is so bad. Yeah. The opposite of the AFC. Oh, jeez. The opposite of the AFC. Are we going to have a... It's trash, Tev. Like, it's really bad. Are we going to have a... Are we going to have an 8-9 and nine team make the playoffs? I mean, the possibility <laughs> is there. I mean, dude, the Lions just got mathematically eliminated like last week. Oh, yeah. Hey, moment of silence for the uh, four fallen teams this year. Y'all fucking suck. Better luck next year. Um, <laughs> There's always next year. <laughs> yeah. Let a Minnesota fan teach you how it's done. Like, yeah, we're going to wind up with a, 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 a team with a negative record making the playoffs. Wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be the last. That's true. All right, Randy. Are the Vikings going to make the playoffs this year? Oh, that's, oh. that's unfortunate, Randy. All right. I love Randy. Let's hop on over to our winter sports watch. But before we do that, let us know your thoughts on the Week 15 matchups and if there's a game out there that you're going to tune into and that we didn't talk about. Yeah, So absolutely. let us know if there's a game out there that you're going to watch that we didn't talk about and why as well. Why it's important. And then why. we'll get back to you in the comments after the show or during the show. Tevin, do we have any live comments? Uh, Gabe is logged out of his account, so because mm. I'm not an admin, I can't pull any of them up. Fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Technical difficulties two weeks in a row. Gabe. All right. So contrary to popular belief for those of us who live in the state of Minnesota and went through the storm that we had last night, it is winter. <laughs> it was. I wore shorts yesterday, Mike. It is December 16th today. It was 54 degrees on my birthday. Correct. Wow. And it ended with a big old thunderstorm, atrocious winds, and now there's snow on the ground this morning. So we are in the middle of winter here in Minnesota. Um, the weather is... Uh, it's just like the Minnesota Vikings this year, just inconsistent yeah. and doesn't know what it wants to do. Um, so we're going to talk about our winter sports teams, the Minnesota Wild first. If Tevin would be so kind to display the schedule for yes. our lovely fans out there. So when we last touched base with you all on the, on the ninth, um, they were going into a game against San Jose. Uh, they yes, did sir. pull that one out and won five to two. Yay. Unfortunately, they lost to the Kings and the Golden Knights um, yep. on the 11th and 12th. I was expecting them to defeat the Sharks, beat the Kings, and then possibly lose to the Knights, Is was right. my prediction from last week. 
And then the uh, Carolina Hurricanes game got postponed due to COVID. Due to COVID. Yeah. What do you? What is it about the that Knights team that has the Wild in such knots? It's it's like a matchup nightmare for us. There, is it just the fact that they're so physical? They're extremely physical. Uh, we're a little bit on the smaller side, more small and speed, and then youthful as well. So I think if you're a little bit of a younger player going into some of those gritty physical games, they can wear on you more and kind yeah. of get to you more than a heady veteran like a Parisi or a Suter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I that I, I see that as being our kryptonite right now. And it's the second time we've played them off a of back to back. I just I would I like also to see... don't see that as being a long term problem. I don't either. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't either. Like in, we might even get bounced by the Knights in the playoffs this year because of their physical style of play. Whatever, we're still above bar of where we oh, thought yeah. that we were going to be and where we should be. Um, and the more and more times that we play him them, I think that that's only an advantage for us. I'd like to see what it looks like when we play them not off a of back to back. If you remember when right. we played them earlier in the season, we got them on a on a back to back. We play them here on an away back to back. So, and we have more of them than any other NHL team. We're probably going to get another one now due to this Carolina postponement. Right. But like, and in a series, you're going to have gaps in, you know what I mean? Time to recover, time to game plan, travel and stuff being a little less hectic. And in a six to four game, you're like, oh, well, if the Wild can put up four goals on, you know, a rested night, are we going to give up six? Probably not. Right. Um. So interested to see where the Carolina game gets postponed to. Um, what is our current record? Do you have that? Yeah, up? I can pull that up here really quickly. Yeah, as Mike pulls that up, we obviously have games coming up um, against Buffalo tonight. What were the other two there, Tev? Oh, yeah, we are 19-8. and 19-8-1, and one, uh, leading the Central Division. We currently have 39 points. The Blues are right behind us on our heels with 37. Avalanche have 36, and Preds have 35. After that, it kind of drops off. Nice. Uh, Tev, you want to head back to that graphic? Or at least let us see it. Um, we also are tied for the most points in the Western Conference. Uh, the Ducks have 39 as well. So we they are, have been putting the puck in net at a very quick pace. So the Ducks actually have eight less goals than us. In, you know. in three more games. We've played three less games and have eight more goals. So, You know, state of hockey things. Yep. The Avalanche are actually the only team in the West who have more goals scored than us, and they've played two less games. Oh, wow. So that's nuts. That's a little insane. Um, but we got upcoming games. I will be at the game tonight um, versus Buffalo. Hey, look at that. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get out on the town, mingle with the people. That's why I'm wearing green-ish. I have no wild gear. I'm planning on buying, so I'm going to get there. It's Bruce Almighty's favorite team, Buffalo Sabres. Cool. Weird Buying pop culture reference. At the stadium, that's a terrible decision. Yeah, he just you wants to, to spend double. Right, you got to go somewhere beforehand. Well, duh. I'm not buying it at the stadium. You just said you're going to buy some at the stadium. I said I will you, buy you did some. Did I say at the you stadium? You said tonight. Oh, okay. Which some for that. Not at the stadium. I'm not... Listen, folks, I don't have money to blow. Contrary to popular belief, I am not a rich man. Um, but games coming up against Buffalo, I'll be at that one tonight. Then at home against Florida, and then a game against uh, our exiled team from long, long ago, the Dallas Stars on the road. Um, and then, obviously, we will be with you before the Thursday matchup against the Detroit Red Wings, um, or Red Feathers, because there isn't much of a team left up there in Detroit. They're not all that great. 
Mike, what's your prediction for the upcoming schedule on the Minnesota Wild? I'm going to say hopefully you see a wild win tonight. I will see a wild win tonight. At TXL. Um, Manifestation. Florida's a pretty good team, but we do get them at home, so I'm going to give us the nod in that one as no. well. Uh, Dallas is... Dallas should have stayed in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're not They're not great. So, ideally, I'm going to say 3-0. Clean sweep. Realistically, I'm going to say 2-1 with our loss to Florida. Nah, clean sweep. Cross the board. Lose two straight, bounce back, win three. There you go. While they're just going to continue to roll, hopefully, into the... Uh, how far off are we now from the Olympic break for the NHL? Uh, Olympics are beginning of February. Okay, so we've got all say. of January so about, still. So about a month. Yep. Just keep rolling. Just got to keep rolling. Got to keep going until that time hits. Um, that sound right? I'm going to look that up now. I actually think it is because the Winter Classic is in January, I believe. The following month would be February, which is where the... So the Winter Olympics begin on February 4th and end on Sunday, February 20th. Yeah, so it'll be... It should be in February where we get that break. So just continue to roll till you get there. Have the opportunity to recoup whatever players you're sending out. Make sure that they learn something while they're out playing world-class level hockey, and then come back and, and make the playoff push. We've been kind of preaching that up and down uh, since we got off to this hot start. The expectations are as such now. Just got to continue to meet them, right? It would be nice to see the Wild, you know, make a push and play good hockey. I'm already impressed. And, uh, like, honestly, as long as we kind of maintain status quo for the rest of the year, this season has already been a success, if, no matter what we do in the playoffs, in my opinion. If we get to the playoffs – with the best record in the NHL, does Kirill Kaprizov deserve whatever the equivalent of the NHL's MVP trophy is? This team runs through him. Possibly, but his production is definitely down from last year as well. So, Goal scoring wise, his assist numbers are way up. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe some consideration. I'd ask Tev, but I don't think you could get Tev to watch hockey if we tried. Uh, no. Is that the Calder Award? Is oh, that yeah. The called? Caldwell Ca called Calder. Calder. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I know some things. Look there we Look at Tev. Look at Tev. I'm proud of you. You know that? Yeah, I'll say, and they say black people don't watch hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking molds and stereotypes. Do you watch hockey, Tevin? Uh, no. No. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so let us know what you guys think on the Minnesota Wild heading forward uh, throughout the next week. Are we going to be able to bounce back after the two-game skid here and continue to be the most dominant team to lace the skates? We'd love to hear from you. Now we can move on over to the Minnesota Timber Puppies as uh, things have continued to skid. Oh, well, we did win two. We're on a two-game winning streak right now. Oh, yay. I mean, dude, we just beat the Nuggets, who are the eight seed in the West. By the way, snapping a 12-game losing streak to that team. Made the Nuggets 14-14, and 14, and we're sitting at 13-15. and 15. So, I mean, as, if the playoffs started now, we're the nine seed. Hey, like I said, just don't fall below 10. Just don't fall below 10. And the Kings are at 10 at 12 and 17. So it'd be, I mean, Timberwolves fashion for us to drop below <laughs> However, it would be almost somewhat difficult for that to happen at this point in time. So right. um, before we see you guys again, we have a few cool games to highlight. I will be strapped to my seat for this fucking Lakers game. Yeah. Because so that's the most dysfunctional team in basketball Ever. It period. Is. It is. So Timberwolves face off Jesus. against the Lakers at 9 p.m. Central Time. Tomorrow. Um, That's weird, too. That's a home game at 9 p.m. Yeah, kind of strange, right? Yeah. Um, And then we'll play the Mavericks on Sunday. 
it's a winnable game, especially with uh, there's definitely some turmoil going on in Dallas as well with Luca and Rick Carlisle and. There's some behind-the-scenes drama going on. And I was going to say, I haven't heard much from them this year. Right? And then, actually, we turn around on Tuesday and play the Mavs right away again. Do we double up? We double. Can we double dip? I mean, we could. We could. Can we and do then, the Dallas double dip? That just sounds dirty. Um, <laughs> Why does it say 9 p.m. on here and 7 on there, though, for the Laker game? It, it definitely is a 9 p.m. start yeah. because they flexed it back because they need LA to be have their game in prime time. No, they want they were gonna show LA in prime time at seven and then realize just how bad that fucking team was and said most well, that, people will be in bed by nine. Well, no, so we'll put the game no it's the because that's five o'clock yeah. in Los Angeles. I got you. It's for the LA people. I'm gonna stick with my narrative. Nobody wants I'm to watch that LA. bad team. I'm from LA. You wanna go get some street tacos in LA. La Bum James. Oh gosh. But uh you know talking about LA Talking about this upcoming, and I think, you know, realistically, a win against LA is possible. Very interested to see once again how Ant handles matching up against a guy like LeBron. LeBron is not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. Like he's extremely talented. Uh, to see that comparison, that one-on-one matchup, something I'm I'm intrigued to see. But I think we're able to pull that one out. Getting a win at um, against Dallas, I think we get one of those two. So we go two and one over the next couple of games. Would you I'll agree? agree with that? I'll agree with that. I'll say two and one. I just don't know where the two wins fall. So I I think we have the capability of beating both teams that we're going to play in the next three games. Yep. Um, I just don't know where the two wins are going to fall. Yeah. Hey, Tav, I'm just curious. For our next segment, do we have the capability of putting up a timer? We could do that. I know it's kind of late notice, yes. and I apologize. Yes, we can. How much time would you like on said timer? So I would say, like... Well, we have one, two, three, four, five things to get through. I would say and we're not doing maybe, a glass half topic. That's what this is in replacement. So our hot topic. corner is our glass half topic of the day. Yeah. I apologize for the the rundown at the beginning of the show. Um, I would say, are you able to reload it quickly? We could do uh, yeah. possibly a minute per segment or five would, minute total time. I would do five minute total, and we have to get through all five by the time the timer is done. Well, this is going to be a hot corner, so we can. It's supposed to be hot, though. We got to go quick. Like a potato. Yeah, I got you. Like, I don't Before, know. I think that that'll be a little bit more fun for us and, and them. Yeah, all, all 13 viewers. <laughs> I would agree. Um, but I have one question for you on the Wolves. Yeah. Before we move on. I, I have just wanted to give seeing, Tev a little bit of time to yeah, kind of set that up. I have been seeing a lot of articles lately, especially with the defensive struggles of D'Lo, his health, and just the way to see – the team is good. It just seems like it's missing a piece, right? Like, we've got Pat Bev. We've got some guys that we can also move, right? Like, if we really wanted to get up into a, oh, we're going to contend this year or, or you know, contend for the years to come. I've seen articles on a couple of different point guards that are going to be available, and I just want yes to no answers on whether or not you would even consider it. Okay? Russ. No. Okay? Kemba Walker. No. Okay? Ben Simmons. No. Okay, we got rid of the easy ones. I was hoping you were going to say no on all three of those, so thank you. Um, now, Chicago has had rumblings of potentially trading Kobe White. No. Why? That one intrigues me. Because, honestly, I think that the Wolves are kind of set okay. in who they have. Okay. Like, if you look at the average age of the Wolves roster right now, I think what the Minnesota Timberwolves front office needs to do is say, this is our group. 
win with it. You guys will have time to develop, to know each other. Two, three years down the line, this should be the same names. Okay. Making the playoff push. Okay. I got a couple more for you, and I'm glad you said young because the next three are young guys. I, I mean, mean Kobe so White is too. So is Kobe White, but yeah. Tyler Hero. I would say on no. the training block. Really? To fill that two? What would we have to give up to get him? Malik Beasley and probably a pick and Nas Reed. I'd say no. Okay. I would I say think yes. Nas Reed is a possible starting center in this league that is a great backup for Cat. And we'll see. I mm, can he shoot the three? He can. Can but he he's rebound? Just so is he physical on defense? So is Cat. My point exactly. Well, exactly. Josh Hart mm-hmm. from New Orleans, three and D guy. You can say any name you want. Answer is going to be okay. No. This one is the one that I'm hoping for. I would put it on my Christmas list. Buddy Heald. Again, what would we have to give up to get him, though? I don't think... Whatever it takes. Thank you, Tevin. Buddy Heald is a guy. Like, he had... We have a few guys already in the clubhouse, though. Yeah, but... So, like, the Buddy Heald one, I guess I won't necessarily say no to. I would say I don't know because I need to know what we're giving up to get him. Whether or not I agree. Assume it's a future pick at some point. Obviously, it's going to be, there's going to be a pick in there somewhere. But like, a guy like Josh Akogi, who, like, if it was, I mean, the Kings aren't absolutely dumb, though. So, like, you can't no, go. No, but he wants yeah, out. We'll give you Akogi and um, let's give you, yeah, we'll give you Malik Beasley and then a pick in 2025. 20, but I think that, like, but I think no. the Kings, and correct me if we I'm like wrong, to Tevin, too. because you may be paying a little bit closer attention to this than I am. Correct me if I'm wrong. Heald was potentially almost at and has been outspoken about wanting to be out of Sacramento prior to last offseason, and they just couldn't get it done. So I think, like, as always, the longer that these things go, the less you have to put into it, right? Because there's this feeling of there's not an elevated level of interest. Is it? Am I wrong? And you know, in, Buddy Heald definitely wants out. I right. Think, like you, right now, you can get him for cheaper. I'm at the point with the Wolves after watching. I can't remember what game it was last week where people are running into each other and Cat's I mean, spending more time on the ground than he is on his own two feet. <laughs> I would trade Cat. And then make them give me Buddy Healed and draft picks so they can we can unload Cat and let's start Ooh. this all over. I wouldn't hate it. I would not hate that either. So here's the thing. I just did a quick Google search. First thing that pops up, Buddy Healed trade rumors. King Star will command hefty price tag before deadline. We'll see. Depends on how much interest is out there. So here's the thing, Tep. If you give up Cat for Buddy Healed and you just straight up start Nas Reed... Then you go draft a big guy. Are we not almost better? Yeah, I think go, we go are. Small ball. And yeah, three and D. Let's go. Then you're so what you're starting five is then D'Lo. You put healed at the two. Ant plays the three. The four gets played by Vanderbilt. Yeah, and your five is Naj Reed. I would agree that the Vikings or the Wolves are a better team. Yeah, I would agree with that. The only the only thing then you that, draft a big man this upcoming year. The only thing that would possibly be problematic would be D'Lo and Cat are good friends, and I don't know how D'Lo would feel if we shoot. Wow. So we'll okay. Get rid of I mean, so, that's why D'Lo came. So do you move them, yeah. do you move them both, and you get Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald? Because they're both supposed to be moved at the deadline, and you do it for D'Lo and Cat? I don't know. I mean, I'd, I can take 
I'm not really a fan of Bagley, but yeah, I I'm not say, a huge fan of Bagley the third either. You could move Cat and then try and somehow move D'Lo. Um, great, but uh, yeah, I don't think that the current roster is going to be good enough to get us anywhere near a championship. I would agree, but I want Buddy Hill. Let that be known. Okay, let it, let it, let it, let us know what you guys think. Is there? A, a potential trade out there that you guys think that the Timber Puppies should be addressing. Um, what do you think their record's going to look like versus the double dip in Dallas along with the L.A. Lakers game uh, coming up in uh, the coming week? And we will get back to you after the show. All right. Let's uh, – so our last segment of the day today, we're going to do Hot Corner. Hot, hot, hot. We are going to put a timer on it. Let's go. Uh, so did we resolve if we're going to do, do five-minute total timer? We'll let, we'll let, here's what I, do you have a buzzer sound back there, Tev? I do. Here's what we'll do. Tev can, we'll do a blind timer and when we hit it, Tev can hit the buzzer and we'll just move on. We can go like two minutes per here. That's 10 minutes. Yeah. Then we'll be out of here. All right. Bingo. So. Oh, we need to start using that when Nick says stuff. (laughs) Um, so yeah, we do, we do have an actual timer for you guys. Ooh, let's just set it for two. Let, set it for two per. Can you reset it pretty quick? Yep. Perfect. Set it for two. Here we go. Alrighty. First one is going to be, uh, Amanda Nunez, obviously coming off the UFC, uh, card the other weekend. She lost her two belt status. So my question to you, Mike, is where does Amanda Nunez championship run? rank among the all-time greats in sports history i mean so that was the big upset of the card massive upset i think i think it ranks ranks up there you know you have to be that good to be that good that good right (laughs) like honestly like you have to be that dominant for that long for it to be an upset like that um i think the last fight that i saw that was that big of an upset was watch me actually talk UFC here for a second. What was it? Holly Holm over Ronda Rousey. Yeah, look at that. Hey, nice. So I, like I would it. say it ranks up there, top five probably. Um, I mean, she was all time for... all sports. Oh, geez, I don't know. I would put it in the top ten. You, Michael's Michael Jordan's three rings, Tyson's run, Ali's run. You have never seen a female competitor dominate, or a competitor in general dominate two weight classes. Like this. Like, think about the way that we talk about Canelo or Mayweather or Pacquiao when they were stacking belts up. Roy Jones Jr., they were knocking everybody out. Winning consistently. Like, the underdogs weren't just underdogs. They were massive underdogs. You could argue that she would make the Mount Rushmore of this being an all-time great run. Would you? I mean, it's you'd be hard-pressed for me to disagree with that statement right there. Yeah. I mean, she's one of the best to do it in her sport. For sure. Right? We can both agree on that? Yeah. We got 19 seconds left. Does she find a way to recapture the belt? Yes. Oh, so she'll go back to being champ champ, which will only then add to this legend, and then she'll move in from the top 10 to the top 5. Okay. Fantastic. Under the timer, too. Let Evan hit it just because you're having fun back there. Hey. I like that. We're going to start incorporating some sound effects. Growth on the show, folks. Mike, I'll let you... uh, Launch the next one once Tevin gets the timer back up here. I mean, I kind of have an idea of what you want to talk about here. Yeah. But you just put a name. Actually, and yeah. Well, 
It's Zion Williamson. All right, so I didn't know the timer started. What is going on with Zion Williamson? Dude, and I don't know at this point if it's his fault or the Pelicans' fault or his dietitian's fault or what. I know this he has he been is overweight. a disaster. I know he's overweight right now. Yeah. He's upwards of three to three bills. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, his foot was supposed to be a temporary thing. He has missed the. He's looking at missing the lion's share of the season. I think the timetable now is to be reevaluated in four to six weeks. So that's not like back to normal in four to six weeks. That's checking in and seeing kind of where he is, and that's straight from Shams. Shams Rania. Shania, yeah. So my question is, if he doesn't find a way to get back on the court and be impactful this year, are we starting to look at him as a Jamarcus Russell level bust? Greg Oden. Yeah. Like, oh my. I mean, he did have a ridiculous. Here's the thing. When you're that large of a human being and you can put that much force through your joints and through different things, you're going to wear down faster. Like, it's Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, no other running back ever would have dislocated their hip like that. But because of the force and the strength and the speed that he had in that run, he dislocates his hip. Derrick Rose. So it's it's kind of a – it's a drawback of being – a an absolute hyper elite athlete, and we're almost seeing it with Zion. Yeah, but like, dude, same, he ripped through his shoe. When I he was agree. At Duke. But at like, what point doesn't does somebody not look at him and go, "Hey, you know, when you land, that's where most of the pressure's coming from. Not necessarily when you lift off. Let's take sixty pounds off every landing that you're gonna take that you're gonna make three bills. But he's already undersized for the post. Then he needs to play the three, which is why he should have stayed I don't at Duke. Think he can. I don't think he has that Damn. capability. All right, now we're uh, changing the next one over. It's not about the MLB lockout because there was some big news last night. Urban Meyer got fired from the Jacksonville Jaguars, Mike. What are your thoughts on this? Jaguars owner Shad Khan wanted Urban Meyer to be his coach for a very long time. Yeah. Once he finally got him, I don't think that this is the same Urban Meyer that we have been accustomed to seeing. I think it is. I think it's the same Urban Meyer. I don't think Urban, Urban had control for a second. Really? Yes. And I think that Urban... I don't know. I, I think you can't kick your players. No, you can't. You cannot. You can't ask... If you you, you coach oh, at a high school level... you can't poke your co-host. Damn. <laughs> My point exactly. It frustrates you, right? You can't sit in a room full of other grown men and be like... Hey, Mike, I know you're a quarterback in high school and you're a quarterback coach at Andover, but go ahead and tell me right now why you don't fucking suck. <laughs> Those were the kind of conversations that were happening. This man was unhinged. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I will take back my statement that he didn't have control. Chop house. He didn't have control of himself. Yeah. How about that? Zero self-control. Because like the, the programs that he has run are well-oiled machines. Yeah, but they're probably run with that same iron fist, I'm the adult, you are the child mentality that was never going to fly in the NFL. Touche. Touche. So, to caveat off this, because we got 35 seconds left, Dabo Sweeney was seen in Raiders gear. How long before we see Dabo Sweeney show up in Jacksonville Jaguars gear with his two guys uh, down there in Jacksonville? I mean, it's definitely a possibility. I'm curious when the NFL is basically going to stop going to the college ranks. Because it's only worked maybe a, a handful of times, and there's been a lot of different coaches that have been very successful in NCAA ranks um, that 
have losing records in the NFL. Yeah, Steve I would agree. Spurrier, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban. Yeah, who's probably one of the best college coaches of all time. This was the best case scenario for Trevor Lawrence as well. Okay. Um, the next one I wish we had a tad bit more time for, but it's going to be Tiger Woods' return. He is going to be – he's actually playing this weekend after twelve after a 12-month recovery from uh, his horrendous car accident to be swinging a club on live television. Um, now, he's made mention that you know some of the shots are falling a whole lot shorter. He'll be playing with his son. But this would lead me to believe that he's confident enough to go out there and be able to hit the ball – and not embarrass himself or tarnish his legacy. At the and, and we'll get to see what it would look like. Because he said he's going to play five to six events per year now. So, I mean, what are you excited to watch this? Are you going to tune in to see what Tiger looks like after this being in a wheelchair for three months? Probably not. Really? To Why? Be honest. I, I just don't care anymore. Oh. Like, he was the best golfer in the world 20 years ago. Oh. This hurts my heart. Like, I think it was 2007 was, like, his last, like, true push as the best golfer in the world. And then his wife beat him up. And then there was a bunch of drama about affairs and different things. And, like, I don't... I. You can just say it. He was fucking a, porn stars. Yeah, he was fucking porn stars. <laughs> Nick, it's been a 15-year comeback. I know. I know. But, like, it, literally, <sighs> it's been Tiger Woods' return for 15 years. Bro. Yeah, but he's the best thing for golf. And by the way, his son is a it has a way better swing than he does. Okay, then maybe it's the return like Tiger Woods returned to Tiger Jr or something. I don't know. Like but it's, I just want to see I, I just don't care anymore. I just want to see what the swing looks like because he still got the opportunity. He's like what? 2 to 3 majors shy of the all-time record. If he can come back and put together 5 to 6 decent events per year for the next couple of years, and surpass, then we'll be looking at this a completely different way. I hope he does, but I'm not going to be watching it. No. Oh. <laughs> All right, last segment of the day. Uh, this has been headlines nationally. All over the place. Uh, debatably the number one prospect in the country. The number one prospect. And ESPN 300, I want to say, has him as number two, okay. technically. Um, Travis Hunter decommits from Florida State. And commits to Jackson State, an HBCU school head coached by Prime. Where did Deion Prime where did Prime go to college? Where Florida, did, he went to Florida, Florida State. State. Yeah. Where did he apply for a job at a couple years ago before they hired the new guy? Florida, Florida, Florida State. State. And they told him no. So they deserve every ounce of this that they are getting. I have absolutely no feelings towards Florida State one way or another. Well, there are guys burning Dion's jersey. Like, it would have been a little bit easier if you just would have given him the fucking job, right? Because now that number one recruit would have stayed. His son would be there. I mean, I was looking at ESPN the other day. His recruiting class for this year is top 15 in the country. Guys, It's, it's Dion Sanders. And Tevin and I were actually talking about this before the show as well, and this is almost where I want this conversation to go, is... Do you see this bolstering the success of HBCUs around the country? Like, I was talking to Tev. Grambling State used to be a powerhouse. Yeah. Or do you see it as them, the players, going to be coached by Dion? And once Dion does leave Jackson State, HBCUs will basically go back to off the map as they were 
prior to Dion going there in the first place. I think that this creates a blueprint for other players that are looking to make an impact on the social justice side of leveling the playing field for college football. Ray Lewis has expressed and Ed Reed have expressed interest in some of these coaching opportunities as well. I know guys like Mike Vick have been offensive coordinators for some of the AFL XFL stuff. If they want to go in and, you know, be the, the, the name brand coaches for some of these. Now there's a, a blueprint to do so they can draw the attention they need and get the funding, get some of the athletes that they're looking for and not feel so left out. So you're saying it needs to be more good names. I think Tev is having fun. I'm going to go back there and buzzer Tev here in a minute. <laughs> he laughs. That <laughs> maniacal ass laugh. <sighs> all right, folks. Well, that's uh, pretty much all we have today. So in, in spite of our glass half topic of the day today, we did a new segment called Hot Corner. Yeah. I think we're going to have to build Hot Corner into the rest of the show um, from now on. I really like that segment. I think it's fun. <clears throat> we go quick. Tev has some fun with the buzzer. We just neglect um, some stuff. Yeah, and sometimes and honestly, that we need it's to get gonna to give us more segments to get to more stuff, especially because we are a weekly show. Yeah, uh, with a lot going on in the sports world. So, um, if we did miss anything else, let us know that you'd like for us to maybe talk about next week. Let us know. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Spotify, and hopefully YouTube here shortly. Uh, MCN six Saturdays at two p.m. and Fridays at seven. Yes, sir. As and go ahead. I was just gonna say we look forward to doing our last show before Christmas. Yay! Next week. That's right. Um, so I may or may not be wearing a, a Christmas hat, Santa hat. We're gonna have Mike dye his beard, dye his beard white, and look like Santa Claus. If I get you a whole get up, will you wear it? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Well, folks, as always, glad to have you. What a fantastic show! Thank you for joining us. If uh, we didn't get to any of your comments, I will make sure to go through and get to them after the show. Um, you know, we'll do something special. Maybe we'll give out some, maybe we'll do a gift exchange between each other, the producers, or maybe we'll yeah, give away something to the fans. Santa between us two. I, wonder, I said, I or the who, fans. Or so if.